This is the Falcon Twin Podcast from falcontwin.com. I'm Brendan, and this is commentary for pages 116 through 131. Page 116, the morning after, this is after, of course, the scene which I talked about in the last podcast, wherein Mika realized that she had completely forgotten about Yumiko after they arrived in this new world, which is kind of understandable, considering that Mika had been shot, lost consciousness, teleported. Actually, she was... well, never mind. Anyways... She had lost consciousness, regained consciousness, wandered off to find help, and then lost consciousness again, and then pretty much been distracted from that time all the way until she went to bed that night, which was when she ultimately did end up realizing that she'd forgotten about Yumiko. But regardless of this sort of rational understanding of why Mika would have forgotten about her, Mika's still bound and determined to beat herself up over it, which, of course, is what she does. This page, you can see birds in the first panel that don't look quite as good as the birds at the beginning of Chapter 2, but they're kind of alright. The character art is really pretty lousy in this page, and I think all, with, all the way through the rest of the chapter, this is probably the nadir of the art in Falcon Twin. I don't think it looks very good. Even though the art in the prologue was pretty bad, and a lot of the art in Chapter 1 was pretty bad, this was probably about as bad as it really got because it just looks really strange and goofy and the shapes of their faces and everything are pretty inconsistent and they don't look very good. There is one nice thing on this page and that is in panel 4 where you can see Tresca coming through the bushes and the way that she's pushing the bushes to the side and they cast a shadow that falls across her body which is a nice touch. Page 117, so like I said Mika's really gonna beat herself up over this and Tresca sort of pops in here with the voice of reason, which is that, you know, really, Mika couldn't have done a whole heck of a lot for Yumiko in her own condition anyway, and that's pretty much true, but like I said, you know, rational things don't really appeal to Mika when she has an opportunity to beat herself up over something. So she does, and there's really not a heck of a lot else to say on this page. Like I said, the character art looks pretty bad. I guess Tresca sort of looks okay, and Mika's all right in panel three but you can see it's going to get really bad here pretty soon. Page 118. Now, this is just unbelievably sappy, and I don't know why it ended up being this way. I didn't intend it to be, but it really sort of reads like a, a sitcom or, or some really lousy daytime soap opera or something where the wise person says, you know, you should live up to their memory. And everyone kind of smiles gently at each other, and then they go to commercial. It just... I don't know why it wound up being that way, but it really is just awful. And here's where some of the really bad character art that I was talking about is. If you look in panel 4 with Tresca and even panel 5 with Tresca 2, it just looks really strange. The backgrounds are kind of nice in, well, mainly just panel 4, although a little bit of it in panel 5 too, because this is still when I was pretty loose with the backgrounds, and you can see it really looks like kind of like a forest back there, even though there's not a lot to see. Only the first couple of trees and a bush and the rock off to the left are really clearly defined. Everything behind that is really pretty sort of vague and loose and only in silhouette at best. And yet you can still get the idea that there's some dense forest off to the left, off to the right it's a little more clear and there's a path that sort of leads away and sort of disappears into the, the bright morning sunlight, which is a kind of nice background thing. And there's some other nice backgrounds in here that I'll point out as I get to them. Page 119. You're correct. They are assholes. Now, this is one that I'm going to have to explain. This is a reference to Grand Theft Auto Vice City. And in Grand Theft Auto Vice City, one of the radio stations is a public radio station. And they have this host, Maurice Chavez. And they also have the two people who come on every 10 minutes and beg for money, like they do on real public radio stations, at least in the U.S. 
at one point the two hosts go on and they do their little song and dance and then one of them says now back to maurice chavez the asshole and the other person goes you're correct he is an asshole that's what this is a reference to and this is of course where i began to introduce the durad which mainly i talk about in the next page so i'm going to talk about that then but there's a really really i like the background i, I like all of panel one a whole lot really and even though it's almost two years now since I did it, and I can look back and see a lot of stuff that doesn't look so great. I still, in general, really like it because of the way that you have the characters and the trees, and even the tree in the foreground on the right, in silhouette, almost. It sort of separates them into planes. So you've got the very foreground plane with the hills and the rocks, and then you've got the mid plane with all the characters and the couple of trees, and then you've got the background plane with the mountain. And if you look at the sky, there's really nothing in the sky. It's pretty much flat and yet it still looks pretty good. Another thing that's nice about the trees is that they look very big, which is good because trees are supposed to be big. But if you look at some of the other trees in the backgrounds through this section of pages that I'm going to be talking about in this podcast, you can see that not all of them are really all that big. And so this first panel is one of the ones that I really liked. And actually that reminds me, talking of backgrounds, about something else I should mention, which is the the difference in the backgrounds behind Mika and Tresca, which are trees and mountains, and behind Evan, which is mostly just sky with some grass and mountains off in the distance. What this is, is they're walking north from near Lempra to near Candela. Off to the west behind Mika and Tresca is a line of mountains that kind of goes up in a semicircular pattern that separates those two cities and sort of a general plains area from the coast where near Marai is. And so in chapter 5, when they're walking up the hill at the beginning, and if you look at the backgrounds through the subsequent pages, you can see that they're going uphill. These are the hills behind them that they're actually going up this mountain range here. The map for Falcon Twin is something that I haven't ever really published, although I did draw it. I actually have it right here in front of me. And it's something that, of all things, actually came to me in a dream, believe it or not. And I remember, I don't think that it was a dream specifically pertaining to Falcon Twin, but I saw this map, and I saw the way that it was laid out, and I thought, wow, that looks awesome. That would be great for Falcon Twin. Uh, but in the dream, I was really worried that it was going to be a ripoff of Asheron's Call. And I don't know why, but, you know, that's how dreams are. And then I woke up, and I thought, wait a minute, that doesn't look anything like Asheron's Call. I can use it. So I was very happy about that. It was kind of like someone <laughs> did my did my work for me. Ultimately, I, one of the reasons that I haven't published the map is that it's not in a very good condition. And even though it was a map that I still like and I think is very sort of geographically interesting, it wouldn't look very good unless you could see it as almost like a satellite photo. It would have to be pretty detailed and realistic looking to really convey the idea of what it was. For that reason, I, I really never posted the, uh, the map or anything. At any rate, that was how the map came to me. And it turned out to be a pretty good map, too, because it worked for the story and also worked for getting the sort of general sense of how the world and this pair of continents that they're on were arranged. You can get a little bit of a hint of it if you go to Chapter 6, where they're talking about the Durad and, and the war with the Sif. You can see a map on a table when some people are all depressed over it. And that's pretty much reflective of the map in Falcon Twin. 
page 120 total text. Now this is, of course, where I start to talk about the Durad, and at this point I really only hint at it because it's not necessary. All is really important that I just establish who they are and that they're kind of jerks and that everyone hates them. And that was all that I really needed to do. Of course, later on when they become more important and I get Sydney involved and everything, then I have to kind of come back and, and catch everyone up on that. But at least at that time it'll seem a little more relevant too, having been introduced to Sydney and, and uh, other Durad. And also this leads into Evan and what his job is in that he's not actually a priest, which is coming up the next page, so I should talk about it there. But also what the church does and how they relate and the fact that it isn't just a, you know, a totally pacifist church that they do actually believe that, you know, there are times you should stand up for stuff. More background here, actually, there's a nice looking little river thing behind Mika in the last panel and some, uh, some trees and plains. And this was, as I said before, this is when I was more loose with the backgrounds, not necessarily on purpose. It's just that I didn't really know how to be tighter with the backgrounds. So the downside was the backgrounds were sort of messy, but at the same time, they still managed to convey a better sense of place than the ones do now. Page 121. Now here's where Evan explains, you know, in more detail what he what he does and how he relates to the Durad. And he's a pretty diplomatic guy, and he, you know, that's kind of a necessity for his job because if you know you really pissed off the Durad, that would you know be a bad thing. So and actually the first panel is also really good because you can see the background where you see the mountain range off to the right and you know more dense trees over there and then off to the left you know behind where Evan is you can see just a couple of scattered trees and mostly sky over there because it just sort of gently slopes down to a plain with low mountains and Evan being dumb Evan being dumb was something that I didn't really get to convey as much as maybe would be good but because Evan wasn't one of the, you know, the central, central main characters, he didn't, you know, get enough screen time to do it. And the other thing about him being dumb was he's not an idiot, because if he was a real total idiot, he'd be kind of useless. But he's not, you know, the sharpest sword on the rack, as they say. And a nice callback in this strip to where Tresca initially met him, called him an idiot, and then took it back when she thought he was a priest. And then once she realizes that he wasn't a priest, calls him an idiot again. Page 122, Myth Pagan 24. That's a great title. I like that a lot. So another really bad, I don't know if that would be a pun per se or, or what, but, but I like it. It's kind of funny. Anyway, this is the introduction of Tresca and the fact that her culture is a little bit different from you know the culture of most of the other surrounding areas. Originally, the whole idea of Falcatun is supposed to be more centered around real world mythology, specifically Vikings and Norse mythology. But ultimately, it was kind of hard to find sources on that that were really, you know, kind of useful for my purposes. And also, I didn't want to be necessarily shackled to all of that, you know, all of the baggage that might have come along with that. So I decided to go ahead and, and create my own world. But I kept parts of that basically in Tresca and in Near Tendra. So Tresca was always intended to be sort of the blonde Norse beauty and, and still is. And Near Tendra is sort of the Viking homeland if you will. And that's why the religions that she talks about is almost a complete ripoff of Viking mythology, but I don't think any of it's copyrighted anymore, so I'm probably safe. And I did change it a little bit, but that's the idea. And, and I really like those mythologies like the Viking, you know, the Norse mythologies and the Hindu mythologies because they're a lot more fun than a lot of the Western Western stuff where, you know, in, in Christianity and, and all the associated religions, 
you know, God doesn't do a lot. He's there and he pops in and out from time to time, but most of the time, you know, it's about people on earth. By and large, you know, the big guy is sort of, you know, kicking back and not doing a lot. But what I really like about Norse and Hindu mythology is that the gods are, they're kind of like people, they're anthropomorphized, and they do the same sorts of things that regular people do, but then they get into these weird, incredibly extraordinary situations. Kind of like uh, if, if you ever watch the movie The Incredibles and listen to the commentary, that's a theme that they keep bringing up is the mundane and the incredible kind of meeting. You know, what happens to a superhero when he puts on 40 pounds? That sort of thing. And it, you see a lot of that same sort of thing in Hindu and Norse mythologies, too, is you get the gods involved in these weird situations. And so that was something that I was really excited to uh, to bring a little bit of that into. And, and that'll figure in a little more prominently in Chapter 7. Page 123, so now the, the real sort of disagreement between the two worlds begins between Evan's religion and Tresca's religion. And fortunately, it's mostly just good-natured ribbing, even though Tresca does get a little worked up. It's handled with a lot more grace than real-world religious conflict is, unfortunately. But at any rate, Tresca, you know, worships this god of treachery, and Evan sort of takes his pot shot at her, which, of course, she already took her pot shot at his gods a couple of pages back, so I think he probably feels justified. And then Evan takes another pot shot at near tender being very cold, which is something that doesn't really come into play for, oh gosh, another 180 strips or so. What this turned out to be was a good way of leading into the training montage, which I don't know, necessarily needed a very big lead in, but it got one. And so Tresca grabs Mika's hand and starts training her. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Where do you think that comes from? This is page 124. So Tresca gives Mika a little basic fighting lesson. There's not a whole lot to say about this page. Nothing special. No backgrounds. Nothing. Okay, moving on. Page 125. Now this is a callback to in Chapter 2 when Tresca you know, punched Mika. There was that panel where she was swinging and you had the big streak of light behind her. And Mika does the same thing. But instead of you know, punching really hard, she totally fails to hit anything at all. And Tresca looks bewildered at her in the second panel. And so Mika manages to eventually finally hit Tresca's hand, and we're off into the training montage on page 126. Now this is sort of like the Rambo effect, not the Rambo effect, the Rocky effect, where you know a person goes and trains for 30 seconds of screen time, and then they're a badass. And this is just one of those suspension of disbelief things where I know that a person wouldn't become an expert swordswoman in, you know, in the space of two pages, but it's a comic book, damn it. It's not a documentary, so get over it. It's the same thing with the language. I know someone even posted a question on the forum saying how come they speak the same language. Because it's a webcomic, that's why. And it, it's the same sort of thing. This isn't a story about a girl training for years and years and years and years to do stuff. This isn't a story about a girl who goes to another world and learns their language. This is a story about a girl who goes to another world and kills a bunch of people. So it's just something that is mainly just glossed over. And most people are smart enough to realize that and move on. But occasionally you get some pedantic jerk who's going to be an annoying ass about it and ask. And they actually, someone did actually be an annoying ass about it and ask in the forums. And I posted a little image, which no one got, and I was just heartbroken that no one did. And it was a, a reference to a Simpsons episode, which basically covered exactly this topic, where it was a Halloween special for the Simpsons, and aliens kidnapped all of them. And they took them on the UFO, and off they went. And they were on the UFO, and the leader says, Greetings! 
I am Kang. Do not be frightened. We mean you no harm. And Marge says, you speak English. And Kang says, I am actually speaking Rigelian. By an astonishing coincidence, both of our languages are exactly the same. That's basically the effect that, uh, you know, that runs Falcon Twin, is you just have to deal with that. And for those of you who didn't pick it up, that was a reference. The comic art style was a reference to Normal Life, which is a live journal comic, which has really cool art. You should check it out. So we have the training montage and punches and kicks and joint locks and elbow strikes and all that kind of stuff. Page 127 and, you know, a little more of it. So we have Mika doing push-ups. And you can see, actually, if you look in the backgrounds, you can see the trees getting denser and sparser as, you know, the panels go. So time is passing, too, while they're doing this. I like panel two where Mika's got her knee in between Tresca's boobies. That looks very nice. And an interesting background thing on panel three that it ended up looking like there was this strange rock formation on the mountain in the background. It kind of looks like half dome in Yosemite. And it wasn't intended to really look like it, but I thought it looked distinctive. So if you look at the subsequent pages, that formation shows up in a couple of them. And a nice looking little open grassland area in panel four where you can see some trees and just some sparse stuff there page 128. If you look in panel two, you can see that there's the, the rock formation again. Now, something about this page was that they were supposed to have been exercising for a while, and their skin was supposed to look kind of, you know, damp, but you can't really see it. You can see it on Tresca a little bit if you look really closely, but I don't think I pulled it off, and it, it's kind of hard to do unless you're doing something a lot more realistic looking than, than I'm capable of doing, or that I was ever doing in the comic anyway. Actually, that's not true. I, I think I did pull it off in Chapter 6 when there's the dream sequence where Mika and Tresca are having their little lesbian scene. You can see the sweat and the shine on their skin, and that looks all right. But in this page, it didn't work at all. Anyway, a little innuendo here. Very subtle. I'm sure absolutely no one picked up on it at any rate. And, you know, that's just sort of, a again, hinting towards what's to come later. Page 129, and so they run, and Mika gets a side stitch. I was just reading recently that if you breathe out when you land on your left foot, that it helps you not get a side stitch, something to do with your liver. I don't know if that's total BS or not, but I tried it the other day when I was walking around campus because it's all uphill from the bus stop to the, the classrooms where I go. It seemed to kind of work, so who knows. But I don't know if there's any real physiological science behind it. Nice looking background in panel four where you can see the path going off into the distance. Did I say that there wasn't? No, I didn't. That's the nice thing about this particular background is Tresca says you see that big rock up ahead and if you look there's no big rock and so I think she probably was pointing at a rock but it was probably so far away that no one could actually see it except maybe her not like she has you know superhuman sight or anything but that was just a little sight gag that probably absolutely no one picked up on until I just mentioned it now and in the final panel Mika says that she's not going to let her down it's never completely specified who her is it could have been Tresca or it could have been Yumiko, if you think back to Mika's promise earlier, you know, in this uh, podcast on page 117 or something, it was never really specified, and I don't think I ever had either one of them in mind. It was probably both. Page 130. Now, the first panel on this page I really, really like. The background really works, just the way that you have this rock face that's all in shadow, and then the way that the shadow falls onto the path, the details on the path, the way the grass meets up with the rock. I really, really like that. Even the sort of grassy area beyond the path. And then, of course, all that combined with the perspective on Mika looks pretty good. The rest of the characters in this panel are just kind of, eh, not particularly impressive. So anyway, Mika tries to stand up and can't, having done all this running. 
In the third panel, you can see some interesting background stuff. You can see the mountains and the trees and the grassland and the path going off into the distance. So this is one of the scenes where even though the backgrounds are a bit loose and, and they're not very well defined, I still like them because I have a very strong sense of what it's, you know, what the environment is like, which I think is really nice to have. And finally, page 131. So Tresca catches Mika and Mika says she's so strong, you know, more hinting at what's to come and you know, Mika can't let her down. She says in the next panel, a nice effect in the fourth panel where they're talking at each other but not really facing each other. And I don't know if I'm out of that habit yet or not. And all the characters look pretty lame. Anyway, that's it for this podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bman at falcontwin.com or go to the forums and post a message or send me a private message, whichever you like. And next time I will talk about pages 132 to the end of the chapter. So there.